Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Raising the Standard. If you've been asking yourself questions like, what's my purpose? What's the difference between my identity, my assignments, and the purpose that God has for my life? Maybe you have been thinking, man, I don't have a job where I feel fulfilled, or I don't feel like I'm even walking in my purpose. I don't even know what my purpose is. Well, then you're going to want to listen to this episode because I'm joined by author Bob Hassan. Bob just wrote a new book called Shortcuts. And guys, this is an incredible conversation that I can't wait for you to listen to. Bob carries so much wisdom. He has so much vulnerability and transparency on a year of 40 years of growing his business and the lessons he's learned, the course corrections he's made, and he's passing that wisdom onto you and me through this interview. Now, let me tell you just a little bit more about who Bob is before we jump right in. Bob is also a consultant and the author of three books, including Business of Honor, co-authored with Danny Silk, Wired to Hear, co-authored with Sean Bolt, and this latest book that we will be discussing on today's episode called Shortcuts. In addition to that, Bob currently hosts the Exploring the Marketplace podcast with Sean Bolt. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. I know it's going to build you up and provide value to your life right now. Let's get into it. This is Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the ambitious Christian man. Identify, unlock, and access spiritual secrets and strategies grounded in biblical truth so you can run your race and maximize your impact and influence. It's time to lead yourself, your family, and your world. Let's get after it. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Raising the Standard. This is leadership, mindset, and development for you, the ambitious Christian man. And today I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to the conversation that we're about to get into right now for, for weeks. I came across a book, which I think is literally life-changing. And it has the potential to really give you a lot of guidance. And as I was reading this book, I was like, this is just so full of so much practical wisdom, spiritual wisdom, wisdom from another realm that I know that you and I, guys like us that are ambitious, that want to crush it in our career, that want to lead our family, lead ourselves and lead the world around us can benefit from this so much. I'm so excited to have my guest and author of the new book, Shortcuts, Bob Hassan, join me on the Raising the Standard show. Bob, welcome to today's show. Josh, thanks so much. I'm so honored to be here and really looking forward to this conversation with, with uh, your listeners and viewers who are wanting to crush their life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bob, I got to tell you, I, I love the book. I'm not just saying that. I was reading it. And as I was reading it, I said, there's so much practical wisdom here. I actually wish I had it um, earlier in life. It probably would have helped me to have it at a very young age. So I'm glad you wrote it. And I can tell that it's written out of experience. And I want to dig into that a little bit more and introduce the listeners and the viewers to the concept um, that you laid down in this book, Shortcut. So I'm going to allow you to tell me what is the overall theme of the book and who specifically did you write it for? And then I have a lot of questions I want to get into with you and a lot of themes we can explore together. Well, if you look at the cover, it's a white cover, Shortcuts is in red, but there's inexplicably, there's a black line through Shortcuts. So what's the implication there? Is it Shortcuts or is it no exactly. Shortcuts? And uh, I, I had, uh, you, you know, my publicity agents were, you can't name a book, no shortcuts. Nobody will pick it up. I said, okay. 
So I listened to him and that, and this is what we've got, but you know, to, to really tell your listeners and viewers, you know, the truth is you, you don't really need to read the book. Wisdom is the only shortcut in life. And so I spend 200 pages pretty much talking about that. And what is wisdom? Well, wisdom in, in, in my opinion is at least for me, the one who's made the most mistakes, me, and is willing to talk about them. That's wisdom. So it seems like no matter where I go, I'm talking to someone or consulting with someone, and you know they have this just giant problem, which I've been through 50, 52 times and 51 times not done the right thing. But on the 52nd time, I happen to do the right thing. So it looks like I'm wise. But, but really, Josh, it's, it's us as fathers having the ability to come around and give courage to the people that God puts in our life. Yeah. So awesome. So Bob, let's, let's talk about your background a little bit because you, you've written this book and I appreciate you being honest and vulnerable and transparent that this is also birthed out of things that you've experienced, possibly mistakes you've made, things you would do different, and then things that you were able to course correct and get right. So you could help the next generation. Tell us a little bit about your background because you have a very successful business, multiple businesses, and um, I want the viewers to understand the viewpoint you're coming from as you sat down to write shortcuts. Well, I've had the same business for 45 years. I'm now the business is a mature uh, painting contractor, and uh, now we do you know large multi-year, uh, multi-phase projects and new construction. Uh, but I started, you know, in 1978 in a 64 Volkswagen bug with surf racks. And, you know, I put the paint in the back seat and I went to your house and painted your bathroom or your living room. And, and I had these three fundamental life-changing things that every businessman should know. I showed up on time. I charged what I said I was going to charge. And then I cleaned up. Isn't that rocket science? <laughs> If you've had anybody in your house working, you know that most of the time those three things don't happen. But but that's how the Lord directed me in my business, and and that's how I started. And and you know, all these forty five years later, we're still doing the same thing. We're showing up on time. We're charging what we said we we're going to charge, and we're cleaning up. And uh, uh, having a mature company, there there's a culture that's been built. Uh, that goes downstream so that the, the people within the company all know that these are our are, are core values. Um, so you've had a lot of longevity. And then from there, you've also started multiple businesses. You have a leadership development side of the business, and that's still currently, that's something that you're actively focused on? Yeah. With the, with the three books that I've written, it's, it's you know, and, and look, I was always a behind the scenes guy. I was always a consultant. I was always the on the board or or an elder behind behind the scenes. But in 2017, you know, God sort of outed me uh, with this book, and and here I am traveling, you know, around the world, around the country, speaking and doing these different events that I never could have seen myself. And trust me, Josh, this is not my wheelhouse. I. I, uh, it's something that I've had to learn and to struggle through. And, you know, the last uh, 10 years of my life, I've really, really learned a lot. And part of as you age and, and get into the, you know, the last season of your life, I watch, I watch older men become, you know, bitter, old, grumpy bastards. And, and I look at them and I think, why are they like this? And, and to me, it's because they've stopped learning. They, they think they know everything. 
I'm lucky to be surrounded by young, aggressive believers who are really trying to crush it in life. And it keeps my energy up and it keeps my ability to learn up. And so I, I am learning at an accelerated rate now past where I ever thought I could be. That's great. So I, I have to go back a little bit because you said that, you know, and from what I've read and what you've shared, that this is something that sounds like someone came and, and you were kind of pulled into this this lane that you find yourself in right now. And I want to hear more about that. So was this something you you kind of secretly always wanted to share your wisdom and you wanted to, okay, so someone came and the Lord knocked on your door essentially and said, it's time for you to go. And how, what was that transition like? So my closest friend is a, is a man named Danny Silk, who uh, is, he's just this amazing guy. He's a pastor, he's an author. And he, he wrote a book called Culture of Honor about, I think, 12 years ago now. And um, we were hanging out and he said, you know, why don't we write a book uh, about business and culture? Because you, you know, you embody this, you embody this, this culture that I've written about in Culture of Honor. And, and honestly, his book, uh, Culture of Honor, and his follow-up book, Keep Your Love On, are the two, they're incredible books on relationships. And I said, are you kidding me? I've never even written a long email. I'm not going to write a book. And he said, you can just tell a few stories. And so I said, all right, that, that sounds like a fun project. And he, he said, he stuck out his hand, like, let's shake hands. And I was looking at him like, what's the matter with him? But I shook his hand and he said, okay, here's how it's going to go. You're going to write the book. It has to be done by 18 months. It's your story. We're going to put a few stories of culture of honor and uh, keep your love on in it. I was like, no, dude, you, that's a, you retraded me. That's not the deal. And you know how friends who know you, he's like, what are you, you afraid? And I was like, well, yeah, maybe, but okay. And so I went to work on this book and, you know, it was never uh, in my view. So I, since 2017, God has just taken, taken me up into these places that I never thought I'd be. And, and I think the story, Josh, about this is it's a friend who sees something in you and calls it out. Have you had someone like that in your life, listeners, have, uh, viewers, have you had somebody like that in your life who sees something in you, who believes the best in you, and then calls it out? That's what happened to me. And, and so now I'm on this whole path of, of a direction in my life that uh, you know, I never knew existed. Wow. So you're, this is so abnormal because right now people are building platforms. Um, it's kind of a me culture, especially when we talk about social media and that doesn't mean everyone's motive is bad. So if someone's building a platform and Hey, we're, we're reaching men with the message right here. So that's not inherently bad. But what I find really interesting about this is that you weren't trying to do that. And um, let's just take it to how does this fit in with your purpose? Because now you're pulling me all out of order, Bob, but I need to get into your story here because you have this purpose in your life that you, I would imagine you believe you're, you're crushing it, you're fulfilling that thing you were meant to do, but now a whole nother aspect, which leads me to, I want to hear your thoughts on that and, and can purpose change and does it change or is it just the next level being revealed? Well, it, it's interesting about purpose and identity. You know, first of all, we're created as sons of God. That's our identity. Our identity is secure. It doesn't matter what you do, you're a son of God. So you, you can you can be in prison like one of your former one of your former podcast guests were, 
or you can be a high net worth individual and a Fortune 50 CEO. It does not matter. Your identity is what it is. You're a love son of God. So right there, the bar's set low. If you recognize that, then performance should be out the window. If you're striving, if you're performing, if you're on the hamster wheel, step back and recognize that you are a love son of God first. Now, purpose is interesting because my my purpose is my purpose has changed, and my assignments have changed also. Assignments come out of your purpose, but this is this is super interesting. My trade is a painting contractor, so generally, what I do is go make things look better, right? So uh, it wasn't until about I don't know fifteen years ago that God started speaking to me about you know what do you do? Well, I'm a painting contractor. I go and make buildings look better. Uh, oh, and he said, actually, what you're doing is transforming them. And I thought, fair enough. And so fast forward when this, this book got written and when I started being asked to speak places, people would ask me like, well, why are you doing this? And I, I thought, well, because I'd like to see people get set free, but really because I'd like to see their lives transformed based on the wisdom that the Lord's given me through my experience and my mistakes and, you know, and also the successes that I've had. And, and so God spoke to me then, like, you've always been in the transformation business. You, you just thought you were in business, uh, uh, putting a service out, but actually, you know, I was grooming you into this transforming business. So is my purpose any different now? Um, I'm not sure, but my assignments sure are. I'm doing things that uh, I, I never thought that I would be doing. And honestly, it took me two years after Business of Honor was written to really think that I had something to say because, uh, Josh, I don't know about you, but in me, what I think I what I think and what I know, what's in me, I think everybody knows. So as I started kind of talking about these things, I started seeing people looking at me like, huh, I've never thought about that before. And it, it took a while for me to really be able to even say, yes, I'm an author. Yes, I'm a speaker. It, it was it was an interesting transformation for me. Wow, Bob, that's, um, I love that story about how God spoke to you about what you do is transformation. That's so cool. Um, and what you're describing there, yeah, I have experienced that. And um, where you think everyone knows what you know, and that's called the curse of knowledge, where you know something on a subject, you're a subject matter expert, or you have a lot of life experience there, and you think everyone knows that. I'm still astounded when I say something and someone really pays attention you know, through the show or through the book. I'm like, really? I thought everyone knew that. So, so it does tell us that everyone listening here, you are valuable. You have something to offer in a, a really specific um, avenue that the Lord brought you through or you've gained some specific experience that's valuable to someone else. And that could reach a lot of people or maybe it reaches just one and that's still hitting the target as well. So Bob, let's, let's jump into the book. Um, I want to, I have some specific questions for you, but who do you feel can benefit the most from, from this book shortcuts? Who's the primary target that you think will get the most out of it for where they're at in life? Or is it, or is it more of, it really depends on, on the person and where they are? Yeah, I, I've been surprised. My, my target audience was for younger believers um, who had never been fathered and don't understand what work is. Uh, for example, 
In Genesis 2-7, God breathes life into Adam. The very next thing he says to him in verse 15 is, go tend to the garden or go to work. The first command, go to work. And then if you fast forward all the way through to the New Testament, Jesus says in John 10, my father and I are always working. And so work is a central part of God's economy. And what I've seen through the younger generations is they haven't been taught this and they, they don't understand. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I primarily wrote this book so that um, young people could see what work ethic, what grit, what determination, what resilience looks like in the kingdom and uh, what passion looks like. Uh, uh, chapter five in the book is titled, Do You Deserve Passion? Which everybody loves that title, and I do too. Um, but within the book, Josh, I, I interviewed five young people who are just really crushing it in life and tried to mine out of them, you know, what are their mindsets and what do they think about these certain things? But I've been surprised as the reviews have come in and I've gotten feedback that people in the middle of their careers in their mid forties, fifties have read the book and it's unlocked things for them in ways in the transition that coming post pandemic has caused everybody to think and wonder different things. Yeah, there's so much wisdom in it. I found myself reading it and I was like, this is such good advice. You know, even at the beginning of the book, you talk about just how people approached you in your past and still do. And some approach and they're just merely transactional. They just want to get something. And and I've been a, a manager of people and and we know what that's like. And and one of the key attributes that I look for, Bob, when I'm hiring someone or, or working with someone that I would deem a high performer is a high level of self-awareness and EQ. And do they really understand how they're coming off? And that's that's something that I really felt from the pages of your book that you were cultivating that sense of how do you see yourself? How do others see you? And giving them and equipping people that read this book with practical tools, as well as the spiritual tools, like you mentioned there. EQ is such an undervalued asset, you know, and I look at I look at character, uh, character counts. And, you know, as believers, as as apprentices of Jesus, you know, we should have incredible, impeccable character. And unfortunately, you know, I've seen people who who don't have character outside of the church walls or and and what I want to call them to is to to understand that the character really does count. For example, if you're in your career and uh, you work on a team and you've gotten your work done, why not go to your coworkers and say, hey, listen, I've got some extra time. Can I help you? Or go to your supervisor and say, I finished my tasks. What else do you have for me? This will put you in the 1%, especially now in, in, in the quiet quitter kind of uh, place where the country's in, where people are trying you know, not to perform, to do the very basic uh, what do they think is going to happen as we move from an inflationary period to possibly a, re a recession? Who do you think is going to get laid off first from these big companies like Facebook or Twitter? <laughs> it's a whole other story. Character counts. And EQ is super important. And remaining a learner. You know, Josh, when I, when I hire, I'm looking for people who are, have a high EQ and who are willing to learn. And, and I think... Those are two real big attributes. So how does someone develop that character? Uh, because, you know, 
And I quickly learned as I was reading your book that it's not about taking shortcuts, right? It, as you implied there, the title implies no shortcuts. So what's that look like day to day to develop character for someone who's looking for the shortcut, who's looking for how do I go fast? How do I, you know, shortcut my whole journey? Because right now that's that's a message that the world is always serving up and marketing knows how to play that game really well um, with every message to appeal to our desire to cut the time in half. Well, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Outliers, and it's a, it's a great book. In that book, um, he, talks, uh, he talks about attaining mastery, and uh, he talks about 10,000 hours it takes for someone to attain mastery, whether you're a professional athlete, a cello player, a doctor, you fill in the blank. And if you think about how many hours 10,000 hours is, a typical work week of 40 hours a week times 52 weeks a year is 2,040 hours a year. So if you multiply that by five, that's a hair over 10,000 hours. Well, most of us don't have the ability to work on our craft uh, full time. So you're talking five, 10, 15, 20 years to attain mastery. So uh, you know, based on that, th there's really no shortcuts. I, you were in fitness, you were a bodybuilder, you have maintained yourself in good shape. If you don't go to the gym five days a week, but just decide to pray about, look, I want to win this competition or I want my, whatever, whatever my goals are to happen. They're not going to happen unless you're actually doing the work. And, and so, so there's a, a, an amount of work ethic uh, if we're after our goals that, that we're just going to have to put in, uh, there's amount of grit, there's an amount of determination and resilience is the ability to continue to get up when you get knocked down, when you have injuries, when you have, when you have setbacks, when you, when you have trauma, you get back up, you dust yourself off. And the only way I know how to do this is to be in community with like-minded people who can give you the courage to help you back up and to put you back in the direction to run the race to the high calling. So let's talk about Jesus and his life with this, because you bring this out in the book. And in the standard, I talk about this as well, that Jesus could have came in, the father could have chose any class, any time in history, any, uh, a number of variables of when and where and how he enters the earth's atmosphere as the son of man and the son of God. And he comes in as a blue collar worker. And I, I just find that so powerful. But you say in your book, you talked about these three things that you saw in the life of Jesus. And, you know, the first one is really about character, which we've been talking about. And the second one, is what we just mentioned there that you talk about the importance of work and and Jesus for I don't know how old he was when he started working or apprenticing um, but you know for the majority of his life probably over 20 years at least I would imagine that he was in that in that shop learning how to build learning and watching and doing the mundane daily grind activities but the the other thing you said I'm so glad you said it and I want to hear you just elaborate on it because we don't hear this message too often um, you talked about thorns and thistles, and you talked about there were seasons of difficulty, pain, frustration that Jesus would have went through. And that's what you just explained to me, essentially, is the the cycle of, you know, is work always exhilarating every day, Bob? Or is there a part of it that is, if we're building resilience, it's almost implied that there is a daily grind to this. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? And even looking at like, why Jesus had to go through that and how does that foreshadow for what does that foreshadow for us? 
That's such a great question, Josh. And I think, you know, you and I both know uh, of being in long careers that there's some seasons that really suck and are really, really hard. I, I know in my career, there were three separate seasons where, you know, I thought I was going to go bankrupt, whether it was from a recession, whether it was from uh, builders, builders going bankrupt, whether it was uh, extraneous variables or mistakes that I made. It, it, it really, really um, takes resilience to keep getting back up. And one of the things I love about Jesus and I like to think about is all we ever talk about is his three years of ministry. But you can assume, like you can assume that he was the father of a carpenter. Some people will say he's a stonemason. Carpenter in the in the day is stonemason. If you look at the buildings back back, you know, in the time that he was on the earth, they were generally stone. So whatever he was a laborer he was a common man he was a blue collar worker and you know he he had he had all the issues uh before he assumed his ministry uh but but i like to think about this could you imagine if you hired you know his dad to come build a table or whatever and then jesus the son of god who's an apprentice walks onto your job site <laughs> I just think how the atmosphere would change, right? The peace of God walks in, the the character of God walks in, the love of God walks in, and even though He's not ministering, the atmosphere changes. And and I, I just I think about because I'm on job sites a lot, and it's not like that. Um, and and how how his how he carried himself because in preparation for his ministry. He's learning how to be uh, a man. He he's a young man. He's got flesh and blood. He's he's moving forward. He's he's got boundaries that he has to adhere to and rules and timelines and uh, just like we do. And and he did it. The reason he did it, I think, is because he had to understand what we go through as human beings, and he did understand that because because of the thirty years he was on lot on this earth before his ministry started. And I just think it gives me so much security knowing that he knows the things that you and I are going through. And if we contrast that with, you know, right now, Bob and I, we were talking about this before we started recording. And I'm, I love the message of favor, the favor of God. I've experienced it in my life. I've seen it's some days it feels like I'm riding a rocket ship when I look back to see what was accomplished and, and how easy it was because there, there are seasons of acceleration. It's not every season and it's not every day, but how do you balance the message of favor where things can, they seem to speed up or you get the big deal, maybe in your business, you get the right contract versus balancing that with this message of being resilient and punching the clock every day. Well, in my case, you get the big contract and then you have to perform it. And uh, uh, which means, you know, a whole host of issues and years, and sometimes jobs are decades. Uh, there, the, the seasons of favor come and go. Uh, well, let me restate that. We have favor on our lives, but God's requiring us to perform and to grow and, and to understand. I know when I was in my infancy in business, 
if I would have got jobs that were even 15% larger than the ones I got, I would not have been able to complete them. I hear young entrepreneurs and businessmen saying, hey, I'm doing, mm, let's just, I'm doing a million dollars a year and I'm believing for, and I'm praying for, you know, $10 million next year. And, and you know, okay, you want to 10X your business. It sounds great. But if you took the time to do a strategic business plan and write what your goals are and what it would take to 10X your business, uh, forgetting the capital, forgetting what would happen with cash flow, how would, you, how would you have any quality control? How would you have any excellence? How would you have any systems in place? So yeah, I, I really like slow measured growth. Now in, in some industries and with some people, boom, they can 10X and, and it happens. And that's great. It never happened for me like that. It was, a sl- it was slow measured growth over 45 years. I love, I love what you said though, because the favor comes, it creates opportunity, but then that doesn't alleviate the, the burden of doing the work after. It actually creates more work. So you better have those habits and, and what you spoke about earlier, that everyday character showing up, or you won't be able to sustain what was achieved or what was attained. Yeah. I, I mean, Josh, we, all, we know guys who have burned out, right? Um, there's a there's a writer who's who's a New York Times bestseller writer. His name is Stephen Mansfield, and he wrote this little book called The Ten Signs of a Leadership Crash. And I just think everyone should read it. But you know, the 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 one of the top ten of his top ten is isolation. And what happens is that when we get overwhelmed, when we okay, we're hitting our goals, we're gonna ten x this. We get overwhelmed and where men turn to is pornography, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever can make them feel better. And, and, and they begin to isolate as this happens. And, and we as covenant brothers need to be in relationship with people, especially when they have favor. Because when favor happens and, and huge increases happen, men get isolated. And when we get isolated, we get in trouble. I think, you know, favor is just this wonderful, like we want, we all want favor. We all want favor. But what comes with favor is incredible responsibility and pressure. And no matter how well we're walking with the Lord, when, when you have a contract or you're fulfilling an order or your church has grown from 500 to 5,000 people and you don't have enough pastors, it all gets on to the leader and if the leader isn't secure in, in uh, relationship, if whenever I see a leader and I ask him, who are your three closest friends? And he, he says something like, I don't, have, I don't have any friends. That makes me nervous because that's the recipe for isolation and then a leadership crash. Have you heard about the Unfair Advantage Challenge? Guys, I just released a brand new challenge. It's totally free. It's an email experience. You can sign up at the link below. Now, back to the episode. Well, so much wisdom with that, Bob. I really appreciate that perspective. Um, so good. So knowing the guys that listen to this, you know, we have a bunch of ambitious Christian business guys. These are guys that want to crush it in life. And as men, you know, you and I both have this drive within us. It's what pushed you to build your business and not just be content with just, hey, I'm just going to stay in this one local area. Um, same thing with me. Every time I open a new location or go for a promotion, Um, we have this inherent drive in our DNA where we're wired for greatness. We do want to build because we're naturally builders. 
uh, made in our father's image. So how do we balance that? Because we do in the current culture right now, we, and you mentioned it, I believe it's chapter one. You talk about, we have this like rise and grind culture where everyone's just, it's the hustle culture. We just got to get out there and make it happen. And, and men are the most susceptible to this because of our measurement system and, and based on where our values might be. So how do we tell what's us and our building process and then what's from God? Give us some wisdom on your perspective um, from your own experience or just advice that you would give to a younger guy who wants to crush it, but just wants to make sure that ambition is aligned with what God's will is for their life. And we don't overstep or we don't drive too hard or, or push into an area where we're actually, we extended what, what the Lord's called us to. Well, first of all, guys, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to strive. You're, you're going to overachieve. You're going to fail. Part of life deal with it. I have tried to learn how to hear the voice of God. And, and so, uh, you know, I've been a Christian for 45 years uh, at the end of the Jesus movement. And, you know, we went through these times where it's like, you need to get in your, on your knees, on your face, in the closet, in the morning. You need to have quiet time for an hour, read the Bible. You know, I look, dude, I'm a type A. I'm a D in the disc, in the strength, in the disc test. I'm an eight in the strengths finders. You put me in a closet for an hour. I'm going insane. You know, I came to this place with the Lord where I, I'm going to be, quote, in communion with the Lord all day. I'm going to be listening to his voice. I'm going to try and be hearing the still small voice every day, everywhere I go. I'm not compartmentalized. I'm not different anyplace else. And, and these, this, these times of listening to the Lord in good times, hearing his still small voice, seeing, seeing his word on a billboard, listening to him speak through a non-believer in a conversation, reading the Bible and having the, the words jump out, getting in a, in a worship service and getting a message from the pastor are all ways that we hear the Lord, but we have to, we have to discipline ourselves to understand hearing the Lord. And let me tell you this story. Uh, about 10 years ago, we just finished this multi, multi-million dollar job that took eight years. We had a, we had a big multi-million dollar dispute and my team and I were flying up into Northern California uh, to mediation. And we got into the room and the other side stood up and started screaming at me to the point where, you know, that, 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 uh, vein right in the middle of your forehead that pops out when somebody gets mad that this guy is yelling, cursing and screaming. And like, I'm sitting there and I, I'm having a fight or flight. It's like, the shame in me, but because of the fact that I got yelled at a lot as a little kid, I was almost brought to tears. But the other part of me was like, I'm going to jump over the table and kick this guy's ass. Those were my only two options. And then the Lord spoke in my ear and said, you have a third option. And he said, just get up and remove yourself. So I stood up and I said, Joe, my team and I came here in good faith to try to resolve a dispute, but I'm not going to participate in a disrespectful conversation. So my team and I are gonna go out in the lobby for 15 minutes and you guys can all decide, you know, if, if you would like us to come back and, 
and try to resolve the situation. And we walked out and I'm, I'm telling you, Josh, I, my adrenaline was pumping. My, my team were like, you know, F those guys, you know, we're out of here. We're going to go get back on a plane. And I'm like, no, we're not. Uh, you know, I, I need to calm down, which I did. And, and, uh, and we walked back in. And before we sat down, Joe said, Bob, I'm sorry. I, I've been under a tremendous amount of pressure. I don't do business this way. Um, I would like to resolve this dispute. And, and in 15 minutes, we did. That would not have happened if I hadn't practiced listening to the voice of God um, you know, in the good times, in the times when it wasn't a crisis, in, a, in times when there wasn't something at stake. And, and I, I think that's the first way. The second way is for, for your listeners, for these young, aggressive guys who are, who are crushing it, to get in relationship with others, to, to be vulnerable and transparent with, you know, find one or two or three other people and get a band of brothers. So in the good times, you can go hunting or fishing. You can go golfing or bowling. You can do whatever you guys like to do together. And you can, you can talk about the things that are relevant in your life. So when the season comes where you need each other, you have each other and you know each other and you're not alone when a crisis hits. Love it. Such great message. And you know, as you're talking about just the the art, the discipline, and you also use the word practice of listening to the Lord's voice, um, it reminds us just it reminds me of the conversation we just had earlier about developing your character. It comes from daily practice, daily showing up and being disciplined with some of those spiritual disciplines as well, to listen and to stop and pause and and actively enter into communion all day long. So good, Bob. Is this something that you've gotten got has gotten easier for you as time has gone on? What do what do you say to the guy right now who says, "Hey, I don't even I'm not even sure if I hear the Lord." Like how do I even how do you do that in the busyness of your day? Because it's one thing when we set aside a little bit of sacred time. Um but as the day keeps going, if you could tell us, you know, what that looks like for you, how you kind of keep that listening ear. Yes, it's gotten easier over time. Um just like building an aerobic base or a strength base gets, you know, easier over time. It's a practice that has become important to me. I mean, for me, when I'm in my car, what I want to do is listen to sports talk radio. Um, and sometimes I do, but mostly I have, you know, a worship, worship sets playing because, you know, the anxiety of the life is, is a lot. And it, it helps me to, it, it helps me to recenter. I try to listen to worship a lot. Um, but, you know, sometimes classic 80s rock, there's no, there's no, there's nothing better than that. It's, it's, it's trying to remain focused and recognize, guys, look, no matter what you're doing, you're a loved son of God. That's your identity. And, and so, so in your identity, take it and recognize that the bar is low and in, in the anxiety of the day, you can turn to the Lord in your car, in your gym, in your job, in a meeting. Josh, sometimes when I have really tense meetings that I'm going to or negotiations or, uh, or, or, or cons consultations that are just too confusing, I'm asking the Lord, 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 go before me. 
go before me, speak to the people I'm going to be meeting with, especially if I'm in a negotiation, show them, you know, the error of their ways. <laughs> and, um, you know, in the Psalms, uh, David says, break the teeth of my, my enemy and hide me under your wing. And there's been times when I've prayed that too, but I'm go, I'm asking the Lord to go before me. So when I get into this meeting, the spirit of God is already there. And that when I sit down and settle in, um, in my character, hopefully the peace of God's there, even though we have, you know, a massive misunderstanding or we're trying to negotiate something where there's a big dispute. Um, I've seen God do it over and over again. So it's the, the, the practice of just recognizing God in everything, it, sometimes it comes down to gratitude, like, wow, the sun's up, the grass is green, there's flowers out there, Lord, you've created all this. I'm actually on the right side of the grass right now and having gratitude for the things that he's done in my life. When, when I get very, very anxious, I try to remember all the times that God has, you know, has come through for me in situations like it or not. And, and sometimes I need a friend. I need to call a friend and say, look, dude, I am blowing it. I'm freaking out. I'm spinning out, like help me. And, and I, a lot of men won't ask for help. I would think, I would say one of the most interesting things that I hear in all the men that I've talked to is men generally say they don't have friends. And, you know, I don't have a close friend. I don't have a best buddy. I don't. And, 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 and we have to risk, we have to, we have to risk and, and just make a decision like, Hey dude, you want to go have coffee? Do, do you want to hang out? Uh, and, and see what's out there because, God wants us in vital relationship with each other. We cannot do this alone. Yeah, such uh, such transparency and a lot of wisdom there. Bob, do you have um, do you have a morning routine? Can you walk us through what your typical morning looks like as you get ready for your day? Or you, you set yourself up to win at work that day. Well, you know, I'm in the construction business. The construction business starts early, so I am up early, and you know and out and i'm listening to i'm listening to worship music uh, one of the things i do the night before is i try to look at my calendar and see what what do i have going on and um and then sort of set the date once i get to my office um i try to like center myself with the lord and invite him into the day you know lord be with me and and then and then boom there here comes the day and and uh and and trying to keep my ear open to the to the still small voice of the lord and and for me you know in practicing hearing god um i don't very often or maybe i can count on one hand the times it's been like james earl jones voice of god mostly it's an impression or it's the lord speaking to me or actually it's funny because when i have an idea that's so good whether it's to resolve a dispute or in consultation, I know it's the Lord. And, and so it's, it's just, it's just so comforting to know that he's speaking through me all the time. So, you know, I, uh, because, so I, I have the, that routine. I try to get home uh, to my, to my home office in the early afternoon. I try to be in the gym around two o'clock where that's another time that God speaks to me during exercise and cardio um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, it, it just, it's repetitious, but 
this this notion of work life balance i think you know you, we've been hearing this a lot josh and and i'm not sure you know what there i know for sure there's no formula to it uh i know that the astros just won the world series uh and so you know they they have a season now of being off but they've been grinding for a number of months most of us have 9 to 5 jobs or jobs where we hope to get a week off in the winter a week off in the summer and and so we really have to work towards our work life balance i i know with me when i am on a project that's going to take some time or preoccupation i tell my wife who i've been married to for 34 years she's so amazing I just tell her, look, I, we're, I'm in this season right now where I'm going to be preoccupied and I might have to work extra hours, and but I think it's going to be over in two weeks or two months or whatever it is. And I try to communicate with her and let her know, uh, you know, what's happening. And I think that's really important. You know, you're talking about a daily routine to like, what do we do annually with work-life balance or how do we break it down to monthly and weekly? And, and I think I think it's all really important. So I, I actually agree with you, Bob. I've seen that in my own personal life that um, I go through seasons. You know, there might be a season where more is required at work or I really have to put my head down and, and focus on some projects. But then another season comes in where, you know, I find and, you know, this just happened this past week. My my daughter, who's 14, asked me to help yeah, out and cool. coach basketball, yeah. which I'm thrilled about because she actually thinks dad's cool enough so to cool. want to still coach. So um, So I'm going to be doing that. So I see these different seasons. So I agree. I think that's part of the balance. It's not always going to come in the nice, neat compartments like we as men always like to see, you know, that it's it's this and then it's this and it's always the same every day. So I agree with you on that. I have a question about purpose. And, you know, right now, um, just again, the culture that we're in, if uh, if our guys are entrepreneurs or even if you're on social media, you know, the marketing that's coming at us, the messages that are coming at us. Is that, you know, and you say in your book, do you deserve passion? My question is, do you deserve to to always enjoy the purpose that God created you for? And I'm going to ask you personally from your own life, and possibly if you want to draw on something else as well, but um, have you ever seen, observed, or experienced where you didn't like the purpose that God called you to? Or it was it was really difficult and it just was a, a struggle and you're, you're like, hey, I'll do it because you called me to it, but I um I don't necessarily enjoy it right now. And can that change over time? Yeah, I, I believe let's talk about our jobs first. Um I believe uh that if you have a job where you like seventy-five percent of your work and twenty-five percent of it, you know, isn't in your wheelhouse, you've got a great job. And and I always, you know, people come to me and say, I hate my jobs. And I'll ask them, well, what percentage of your job do you like? You know, 80%. So so 20%, you're letting 20% of your job tell you that you hate your job. You know, how do you change that? We all have things that we have to do that we don't like. I went through a season in my life um, where I was the chairman of the board of a, of a Christian school. Um, and, and there was a referendum. And there, it was, it was just this incredibly tense period and God clearly appointed me and, and I, I didn't want to be even be on the board, but that's a whole separate story. But there was a year and a half of rebellion and referendum 
and and people acting in a way that wasn't Christ-like. And I couldn't say to I couldn't say to myself that they weren't Christians, but I could say they weren't submitting to the lordship of Jesus. And so I had to go through this season and and it was it was really hard and I was really glad when it was over. And there's sometimes when the Lord will put you or in my job, I we take a job and we have a job that's going sideways or it's a losing job and and we have to put our heads down and get through it and lose the money and get on to the next thing. So I I don't know if I'm actually answering your question, but there's been there's been times in my life where we've I've gone through seasons or assignments that have been very, very hard. And and I I because of character I'm going to finish them. In my business, if you don't finish a job, that is not good. And so I'm always going to finish a job and hope that the customer is going to do the right thing. But we get put through times and seasons of our life that are hard, that are that are that we wish weren't there, but either we've made a commitment or God put us there. And and those seasons are are seasons, well, they've been the seasons where I've grown the most. No, I appreciate that. That does answer a lot. That does shed a lot of light on that question. My my second part to that question is. Do you feel that we have to find purpose in our work or can we find purpose in a side project, a passion project, something else that we do? Or and I guess it goes to this broader question of, do I deserve purpose in my work? Because some people have that passion project and they have another outlet where they're trying to fulfill that need, that desire they have in their heart, but it's not necessarily necessarily coming through work. Is that something, how would you counsel someone like that? Do they is it okay to do a job that just provides and you don't necessarily feel feel incredible fulfillment from it? What would you say to that person? Well, let's talk about passion. Um, in Shortcuts, I, uh, chapter five is about passion. And, and I defined what passion is, but the root word, the etymology of passion goes all the way back to the sufferings of the Christ. So, Passion is born of suffering. People think passion is something like, woo, 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 woo. And and it can be. But passion is one of the deepest rooted feelings to the point where Christ went to die on the cross for his passion. And we're all recipients of that grace that he made that choice to do that. So do we deserve to be passionate? Yeah. Are you going to be passionate about your job? Well, if you're an entry-level position and you're in a cubicle, or uh, you're not going to be passionate about that. If if you're sweeping up the warehouse floor, you're not going to be passionate about that. But your character says, hey, listen, I'm an entry-level position in this job, and I am going to work myself up, and I'm going to recognize that I'm doing this for the glory of God. And what happens is, is you're there two years, three years, five years, and all of a sudden you've been promoted, 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 much like your career, Josh. And and then you recognize that there's people around and passion is connected to people. So you're building a team or your coworkers, you begin to you you begin to become passionate about. Passion grows out of relationship. And so I think that if you're in, let's just say a dead end job, a no-win job. Uh, and you you don't see any way out of it, then get a new job. But if you're in a job that you would say it's a good job, it pays well, I'm just not passionate about it. Okay, do an experiment. 
Take some people on your team out to lunch. Get to know people. Get, get passionate about the people. And then going to your question, most people are working eight hours a day. There's 24 hours in a day. You sleep eight hours a day. So now we have another eight hours a day for our passion projects. And I've seen people build new businesses in those eight hours a day. They, they start with an idea, a passion project. They, they become an entrepreneur. They write a strategic plan. They build a business. And then pretty soon, their, uh, their income from their nine-to-five jobs up here and their income from this, this passion project is raising, and they have to make a decision. They didn't quit their nine-to-five job just with the genesis of the idea of the passion project, but they actually worked and built it till they, there's not enough hours in the day to do both. Now, what do I do? Which is a really cool problem to have. And, and then you go to your friends and your, your, the people who, who love you and you say, man, I've built my passion project up. I think I should quit my nine-to-five, and, 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 but I don't know what to do. You and I both have a friend who's built a passion project who's been able to keep his nine to five while he built his passion project up. And, and so, but there'll come a time when he can't do both or you can't do both either. And that's when you make this decision. That's such sound advice, Bob. But we, we also see right now, and this, you, you led me right into something. I got to ask you this, and then we're going to wrap up. And I'm going to ask you to just give us your last comments or charge to the men that are listening. But my question is, there is a portion of, I'll just say people, the world that says, follow your passion to the point where if you don't go all in on it, you're really not committed to it. Where what you just described to me is more of a stair-step approach. You're still working, you're doing it. So how do you know when it's time to cut and go all in on a passion project? I've been in a similar situation where I had to advise people in these situations. And we know when there's younger people, especially, or entrepreneurs, they feel like, okay, I got this dream. I got this vision. I got to go in all in on it. And I've seen people, in my estimation, make some devastating mistakes because they cut everything off to follow something that wasn't sustainable yet. But I've also seen that model can work for some people. So I'd love to get your wisdom on that. I think I think that's the rub right there. That's the tension. That's the edge. Is that it? It's different for everyone. And and to me, again, you know, I've made so many mistakes in my life, and I'm going to continue. Um, if someone decides to go all in and and follow their passion project, if they've heard from the Lord, if they've gotten you know counsel from their friends or mentors or advisors, and they believe it's really the thing to do then, you know, okay. But if someone hasn't gotten to that place where they, they haven't heard from the Lord, they haven't consulted their uh, counselors and mentors, and they haven't listened or heeded them. I, I, I had a friend who, who, you know, really believed in this passion project that he wanted to do. And he talked to, he, he felt like he heard from the Lord. He talked to his advisors. He talked to his counselors. And in 2007, he was going to build a, he was going to build a, a house flipping company. So he and two partners built, bought six houses in, I think, eight weeks in 2007. And then 2008 happened, and they lost it all, along with everybody else. Now, was it a bad idea? Um, maybe. But there was these extraneous variables called, you know, the Great Recession and the housing crisis that he, they couldn't recover from. 
So they lost everything. They they you know they got back on their feet. One of them went bankrupt. Um, you know, seven years later, okay, it's off the record, and and they're building again. So so I think you know it's you just do the best you can. You you listen to the Lord. You listen to your heart. You listen to the people closest to you. Sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. But we can't be afraid. Uh, we we can't be afraid every time we're going to step out that we're going to fail and. But we have to be cognizant and aware of what God's saying and what the people in our life are saying, what market, what market conditions are saying. I, I think there's opportunities right now in an inflationary time and a recessionary time. Bob, I want to just I want to thank you because you have so much wisdom and you're you're also very transparent and um, you know your vulnerability to admit throughout this you know mistakes, course corrections you've made, and also admitting sometimes that you know, you learned a lot from past failures. And I think that's really important for us as younger guys to hear um, as we go forward, because we do carry this facade that we think we have to know it all, never let the mask down, never let the guard down and always act like we have it all together. So it's really refreshing to hear someone as successful as yourself and as wise as yourself share those those backstories and be so transparent. Thank you for that. It, I, it's so amazing how the learning goes. Can, can I read a scripture to the to you? To, to your listeners, um, it's Ecclesiastes 3, and it's a little bit long, but bear with me because it's, it's worth listening to. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and the time to gather them up, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So I just love this scripture uh, in, in its entirety for young, aggressive listeners, for old guys like me, for older guys than me. I love knowing that the scripture is replete with, with seasons and, and that whatever season you're going through, there is going to be a breakthrough. That's awesome. Bob, do you want to leave us with any last final words for the guys that are listening? And we'll, we'll land the plane on this. Fellows, um, if if it was easy, everybody be doing it, and and become being a follower of Christ doesn't mean that uh, doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. It just means that we have the Almighty God who created the heavens of the earth as our partner that we can lean on, that we can gain acceptance from. So I pray for all of you right now in Jesus' mighty name that you would be able to hear the still small voice of the Lord, that you would be able to practice hearing his voice in the good times and in the times of crisis, that you would have the courage to reach out and, and build friendships and relationships that will last a lifetime, that vulnerability and transparency would come to you, even though the world says that in order to be men, we have to be strong, we have to be secure, we have to never be wrong, and we have to never have problems. It's a lie from the pit of hell. 
And Lord, I ask that you would that you would bring people to the to the knowledge that that uh, vulnerability is masculinity. Lord, that in our faith, in our finances, in our fitness, in our family, we can be we we can be courageous and we can be overcomers. So, Lord, I pray for all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Bob, for joining us. It's been an absolute honor to gain your wisdom throughout this past hour that we spent together. I'm going to drop all the links below. Guys, I want you to get this book called Shortcuts. We'll put the links in the bio below. And until the next episode, let's raise the standard. Hey guys, I got a quick announcement to make. If you feel that you're in the gap between where you are right now and where you're supposed to be in life, that place that God has promised you, that promised land that he has for you, then I want to invite you into the Unfair Advantage Challenge. It's an 11-day email training content that I've never shared on this platform before. And I'm doing this because I want to equip you and teach you how to access the unfair advantage that God gives all men who are walking with him. But here's the thing. Many men never access it. Many men never reach their promised land and many men never reach their full potential. That's why I'm doing this. So go to accessyouradvantage.com, sign up for the training, and you will get equipped with the strategy, the mindset, and the tools so you can unlock and access the unfair advantage that God has for you. Let's get after it.